And the motion picture is the most important art film ever devised by the human race. It is the, the art form that creates more empathy than any other. It creates our ability to step out of our own shoes. Hello and welcome to The Great Movies Podcast, a retrospective film review show, the podcast where we watch and discuss each of the films covered in Roger Ebert's seminal film essay collection, The Great Movies. I'm Jana Gardner. I'm Nick Fulton. And I'm Dylan Quare. This week, we are going to be discussing Gates of Heaven, the 1978 American documentary film produced, directed, and edited by Errol Morris about the pet cemetery business, allegedly, about life, about people, about America, uh... We'll get into it. It's it's about a lot of stuff. So, yeah, um, this is Errol Morris's first film. If people are familiar with him, they've maybe seen, what, Thin Blue Line? He's Fog probably. War. Yeah, I think that's probably yeah. his. I think that's his best, yeah. too, of all the things I've seen of his anyway. That movie is so good. Um, it's it's so yeah, good. I, yeah, I love Thin Blue Line. Um, but, you know, made, made a lot of really great films. So this is the first documentary we're covering in Ebert's book, right? Unless I'm forgetting one. Uh, I don't think we've. Thank you. Yeah, I, I think I think so. So. Oh God. Isn't that kind of crazy? Feels like it would have happened right now. And there's. Yeah, that there's is more crazy. We've covered a coming ton of movies. up because we're gonna have hoop dreams like right Hoop-dreams around the corner. So, yeah. So there, there's more coming, but this is just the first one we've got to, which I think is interesting because I love talking or I love watching documentaries, although talking about them presents a bit of a unique challenge. Uh, we're gonna do a scene by scene breakdown of this movie like we usually yeah, do. Yeah, like moment by moment, and then it cuts back to this guy, and then it cuts back to this guy. And I, I, my notes, you know, refer to because they will go back and eventually give you some names, but I have lots of notes that are like woman in red dress, guy with yellow shirt on. <laughs> like you can only yep. do so much. For for Mac, I have him as old guy with suspenders. Mm-hmm. Yep. In the beginning of my until we get his name. Yeah, I have a suspenders man. I <laughs> is how nice. I started. Then I went back and then I put Floyd question mark and then parentheses Mac. Yeah, Mac. finally, finally got there with a uh, Mac. So, um, like I was saying, both of the go. both of the main guys don't go by their like first names. Like he's Floyd, but he goes by mm-hmm. Mac, and the other guy is named. John, I think, but he goes by Cal. Yes. Mm-hmm. That is true. At least, you know, Floyd Mac McClure, pretty common. Yeah, yeah, Mac. Yeah, Mac. I have no idea why John Harberts is Cal. Cal like, maybe his middle name's Calvin, and it's just like one of those things where people go by their middle mm-hmm. names. It's just weird that like neither of them go <laughs> by. And it's like you said, it's tough to follow like who's who because the, the movie doesn't give you anything. No. I mean, that, which is. Uh, Morris's style, which I kind of like, that it just drops you in, and obviously mm-hmm. there's no narration, there's no text on the screen. You're just listening to people talk, and you have to figure it out as it goes along. Doesn't he live in California? He does live in California, um, which I will say took me a while to locate what was happening, because in Max's opening like little story he tells, I swear he said he was in North Dakota, like at one point in his beginning story, I, that's what I thought I heard him say was something about being in North Dakota. And then next thing I know, I think he says something about growing up in North yeah, Dakota. Yeah, and then maybe. he just says like, and then he went to the farm, and apparently that meant going to California, coming to, North, coming to Northern California at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he started saying Los Altos, and I was like, 
oh, there's a, there's a city in Northern California called Los <laughs> Altos, too. And then he was like, you could see the 280 freeway. And I was like, oh, well, I guess there's a lot of freeways with the same numbers. And then it got more specifically placed in Northern. Then he started mentioning, like, Safeway and Lucky Supermarkets. And I'm like, hmm, this all actually seems more familiar. And then I realized it was all a, a great slice of life of Northern California. Um in the 70s, which was pretty interesting. A lot, a lot of fun regional. There's a um, moment where ugh, my favorite character in this movie, um, the rendering man, the man who just loves his rendering. Um, God. The, the, vil- the yes, villain of yes. the movie, as much as oh the movie has God. a villain. Yeah. Relief. Oh, he's, oh my God. Uh, yeah, he's, I, I love how cartoonishly evil he is. Um, but he worst. makes a reference, he makes a reference to a place called John Esquaga's Nugget. Um, which I imagine sounds like a bunch of nonsense, but it was a local casino that was like sort of a circusy themed casino up in Reno. Um, and so apparently, well, some bad things happened to an elephant there. Um, <laughs> but I still was very like charmed, like, oh, all these references to places I recognize from my childhood. Um, all right, before we get into it too much, I mentioned Errol Morris and his other movies. Um, what was your guys' familiarity with this movie and Errol Morris in general before sitting down to watch this this week? So I'd seen um, this before, and I think what inspired me to watch this was Ebert being like a huge fan. I mean, this was not on his most, like his final um, Sight and Sound list in 2012, but it was on his 2002 Sight and Sound Mm -hmm. list uh, of his top 10 of all time. So I knew he was a huge fan. Um, fan of this movie so I'd seen it or I'd seen um, the first half of it actually like years and years ago and we paused it and then Nellie just like didn't want to finish it because it like was making her upset so so we didn't watch the end of it yeah Um, I'd seen a few other like I'd seen um, I've seen the thin blue line a few times Um, and then last year I watched Vernon Florida and earlier this year I watched um the fog Gross. of war which is a uh, yeah yeah um so yeah I, I i like him a lot he's got a really particular style it's sort of similar to um uh, i was gonna say it's sort of similar to frederick wiseman's in a way where you're just kind of like plopped into a setting but this is obviously more um uh like engineered than Wiseman's Mm -hmm. where it really is just fly on the Mm -hmm. wall but similar to like Wiseman doesn't give you um like reference points to anything you just kind of have to figure out who this is and what they're doing um that's more what I mean and like his his style especially with this in Vernon Florida where you're just like dropped in the middle of a conversation you don't know who's talking what their like point of view is what their background is and you're just kind of along for their uh like discussion or monologue um so yeah so this was my uh first time seeing gates of heaven in its entirety nice what about what about you dylan i had seen gates of florida gates of florida gates of heaven in vernon florida (laughs) because um a friend of mine uh who's like a friend of the family decided to uh give me the dvds of them these old mgm dvd copies when i was 12 maybe 13 um and uh he was talking about how funny they were (laughs) mainly mainly we we would joke about the Verdon Florida part with the with the turkey hunter because he's very quotable um yeah and 
that's kind of how I was introduced to this sort of two-hander that uh, was early Errol Morris, but I've also seen Thin Blue Line and Fog of War and uh, Brief History of Time, too, but I think that's it for me. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I forgot about A Brief History of Time, oh, but I've seen that, too. Cool. Yeah, I've seen that, too, yeah. I always forget that he directed that. I watched that. that one in, like, high school, I think, in some science yeah. class on, like, finals days when they were just kind of, like, trying to get us through. Um, and then I realized that this was a work by a great documentary. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, it's a good movie. Yeah, I actually totally did not realize that was an Errol Morris movie until yeah. just now. I also definitely watched it either in high school or college at some point. Um I guess maybe because the subject matter is so different than yes. <laughs> his other subjects that it doesn't yeah, really feel yeah. the same. But like that one's the Stephen Hawking right. documentary, yeah. and it's about Stephen Hawking, whereas this is like Errol Morris showing you weirdos. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I have, like I said, I saw *Brief History of Time*, and then I've seen. I watched *Thin Blue Line* just a few years ago. Honestly, I think. I can't remember if I saw it just because I stumbled across it on, like, back when Hulu had the Criterion movies, and I think mm-hmm. it was on there as one of the options. Um, but I, I know I definitely made it a point to watch it because I wanted to watch the documentary now. Um, <laughs> that episode oh. that makes what it, the number of documentaries I have watched because I wanted because to make sure that I could have the context to watch documentary now um, is is kind of sad and also great that shows a bit of a public service in that way because i'm like oh if i want to watch this what it's making fun of i need to watch the original um and so i definitely know i that's what made me prioritize seeing thin blue line which is yeah again so good um and then i had never seen gates of heaven until yesterday and i you guys had sort of warned me and i had just sort of been generally aware like it was pretty strange but man what a weird little movie. <laughs> like, Honestly, for... though, going from Fern in Florida to Gates of Heaven, Gates of Heaven seemed very normal and very uh, laid Jeez. back compared to Vern in Florida. Uh. Yeah, because Vern, because this, like, it doesn't have a story the way we typically think of, like, a plot, mm-hmm. but you are sort of following, like, one subject. Right. It's, like, animal and... deaths and burial. Vern in Florida is just, like, so it's like scatterbrained it's mm-hmm. just people talking about well, whatever he he just puts the camera down and people ramble about whatever seems to interest them yeah yeah i mean and this one it is it's setting out to tell a story right i mean or at least it seems like the mm-hmm. the story behind this goes just for and context for people apparently errol morris saw the newspaper headline in the san francisco chronicle that said like animals to be relocated or you know like pet cemetery out of business animals to be oh 450 dead pets going to napa valley is what the headline of the article said and that piqued his attention enough to think maybe there's a movie there and the movie's kind of about that but like i expected it to be sort of more about that that's just sort of i mean it's the transition right it's it's there's basically two Mm -hmm. parts to the movie the first half were in the story of the founders of the first pet cemetery and then the second half (laughs) when the pets have to get relocated um up to napa then we get to spend some time with the people who operate the second pet cemetery so it's more just like a structural element in the end than really getting into and frankly 
I'm okay with that. I did not need necessarily the super yeah. gruesome details of uh, <laughs> the, the excavations and how they dealt with all of that. They took care uh, of that in the rendering. Yeah, I'm glad we... I know. Yeah, got enough of that. I'm glad we really only see, like, somebody digging once, and it's from afar. I don't really need anything more than right. that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so... Like I said, it's kind of hard to know. I guess maybe the easiest way to talk about this movie is sort of to talk about the the first half and, and then the second half, right? Basically sort of split it in two. Mm-hmm. So we spend, we're introduced at the very beginning to Floyd Mac McClure, um, who tells this truly sort of harrowing story about like being born in 1930 and then working on a farm as a kid when World War II was happening and how his life was so miserable, but he had his beloved pet collie um, that was like his true companion and best friend. And then one day he was walking down a rural road and a car comes speeding by and, and hits his collie and he holds his collie in his arms until it dies. <laughs> this is the opening of the movie. Um, yeah. and, and basically then just says, you know, and then that's what made me realize that I should have a nice pet cemetery for people where they can bury their their pets, their friends. Um, really sort of just drops you into his mindset, his his life philosophy, such as it was. Like I said, I had a hard time kind of connecting the dots between him telling that story and wanting to, to bury his pet and then how he actually ended up like getting this plot of land and the investors like there's a whole more complicated story about him and his investors and whatever this weird land scheme was <laughs> that's like just happening in the background yeah he seems to be like a really I, I don't know if you can even like blame him as being a poor businessman or maybe this is just not a profitable yeah. business or a challenging business to be profitable mm-hmm. in um but i i really admire his um like his the goal that he's setting out is to just give animals like this dignity that they're not typically mm-hmm. afforded um that's usually only limited to humans who die and his his point of view about like animals and pets and people's relationship with animals is like maybe the thing that moves me the most in the whole movie is him talking about like you can know um or you can't really know a person you can think you know them but as soon as you turn their back your back to them you don't really know anything about who they are whereas your dog like you know exactly who they are and you turn around and the dog's the same mm-hmm. um so i i really like floyd he seems like a a, a pleasant a pleasant man yeah. if, if a poor business yeah man. and i i totally agree i thought his that part in particular and, and ebert calls it out in his essay too it's just kind of like the thesis at least for his for floyd's point of view of you know why why he did what he did he had a line that i liked where he basically talked about his philosophy of of what you should do in life is find a need and fill it and he like found mm-hmm. this need like he real like you said he wanted to give people the opportunity to yeah show pay respect and and have sort of a final resting place and memorial site for their pets um and it does seem like you know there there was a need like and you know whatever happened with him and and his his operation like this other the 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 bubbling well like they i mean they seem very successful i don't know if there's more to their story in terms of 
how they're so well off and where all their money comes from, but they they seem to be doing very well. So there's there's some kind of market for it. Yeah, and uh, I believe they're still going on now. Yeah. And, uh, um, yeah, I didn't want to I didn't want to jump ahead too far, but did you guys see who's running the Bubbling Well Pet Memorial Park no. now? No. It's the uh, younger son, the one who like the guitar. plays okay. guitar. Nice. And his son. Oh wow. Yeah, so it's like in the third generation of uh, uh, the Harberts. Is that yes, the yeah, Herberts, yeah, Harberts, yeah, the Har- like yeah, that. Harberts. I think. Wow, that's nice. Yeah, because Ebert's um, review says like the bubbling well is still around, but the website doesn't refer to the mm-hmm. family or the film Gives at all. You the full HTTPS um, bubbling well. Same, dot- same website. It's still bubbling-well.com, yeah. so it's there. But if you go to um, the about section, because this article is like, I don't know how old, but a few years old. They've clearly since then mm-hmm. updated it. Um, Scott, so uh, it was founded in 1971 uh, by Cal and his wife, Scotty, who uh, we meet her in the film, She's too. Um yeah, she's great. Cal passed away in two thousand one, and then Scotty passed away in two thousand seventeen. Oh, wow. So Dan and his Dan and his son David continue to carry uh, on that tradition with the baton being passed to the next generation in the Harbors oh, that's family. Nice. Um, yeah. No, so that 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 makes no, me happy. No mention of um, <laughs> a- aggro weirdo brother. <laughs> no. What what was his name? It's not in. It, he's not in the um the thing. I can't remember. I can't remember anybody's name either. I. He doesn't I, get a I wrote him down as um, shirtless lawn mowing man um, because we just have so many gratuitous shots of him just mowing shirtless the and spewing A2. and spewing nonsense, spewing like corporate, like I was nonsense. a salesman <laughs> and then became a salesman manager. Holy moly, um, that that would be a tough dude to deal with in real life. Mm-hmm. I think he was actually kind of a tough dude to deal with in the movie. Um, one of my main notes is I think the first half of this movie is about as good as any movie has ever been in the history of movies. And then the second half, when it goes to the Harbert's place, is like, good. See, I liked the second half more. No. Um, I absolutely liked the second half more because it was funnier. And the first half, like... Max just kind of made me too sad. Like there was too much pathos there. Like I mean, it's it's extraordinarily good. It's not about like I don't think the second half is better than the first half, mm-hmm. but I had a better time watching it because oh no, that guy was like a like a nightmare. Well, although the first half does have my my friend at the rendering plant, so oh. it's not like it's not like there aren't some really good j- jokes. Well, I guess jokes is not the right word, um, but humorous moments in the. I, just, I, mean, I didn't laugh at either part, really, even in really, the Red Dream uh, plan or even in the second half. All my laughs were oh saved for Verdon, Florida, and that was about... No, I, I'm sort of the same way. Like, I, I don't feel... Uh, like, some of the, the criticism that was thrown at Morris was, are you being, um, like, condescending to these people, or are you making fun of them? Is this supposed to be ironic? I don't... And he says... No, never, I, ever felt and that. I I agree. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. No, I mean the 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 laughing was more just at the absurdity, like yeah. like right. literally yeah. every. And he, quote, he does acknowledge like every, especially from like the rendering guy. I wanted to like write down every quote he said about like having to bring the animals in in the trucks, and then the receptionist mm-hmm. who quit, and she could never even smell anything, and I was just like, 
what is this guy's like his stories are all over the place um but no i also did not i did not feel like anyone was being made fun of like i think yeah morris says he just like you know set up the camera and and recorded people as they were and mm-hmm. kind of believe it there's a an interview and i wrote this quote down um from the criterion disc and he says i love the absurd it's not to ridicule them it's to embrace how desperate life is for each and every one of us including me mm-hmm. um that said you haven't seen vernon florida yet i sort of do feel like he is making fun of them even oh, though it's yeah. the same style like he just has the camera down it's mm-hmm. it's not making fun of them with like cuts or you know the camera moving around uh in a way that seems to be mocking them um it's they're just so absurd in that movie that i feel like the fact that he kept some of that stuff in has to be sort of making fun like not making fun of them in a cruel way but Mm -hmm. like gently poking poking fun i don't know maybe that's just because of (laughs) this ain't a turtle this is a beaver and he's holding a turtle (laughs) Then he he puts the turtle down and it starts like slowly walking away. He's like, hey, that beaver moving slow today. (laughs) Yeah, I'm guessing without the background too of sort of like, because, you know, you have your sort of, your ridiculous characters in Gates of Heaven, but then you have like these really sort Mm -hmm. of sad stories with these sad people who lost their pets and tell these like sort of like, I feel like all the, like, quote-unquote ridiculous characters, except for, like, Lady who sings to Dog for oh, she was three fun. minutes, are all, like, assholes that I've experienced in real life. So I was just like, okay, like, I don't really care to see you. I'd rather just go back to Floyd or something. Yeah, Floyd made me too sad. I I, I, I had a hard time every time. I just like, oh, I just felt so bad for him. And I, I can't help but feel like he was taken advantage of in some way. Like... He seems like a pretty simple guy, and I don't think whoever was trying to help him with this business did right by him. (laughs) And it made me very sad that he did not ultimately get to realize his dream. There was, and because we got some, like that one guy, red shirt guy, um, is who he is in Mm. my notes, who talks about like losing the $30,000. $30,000. And you're just like, "That's, that's a lot of money now. That's a lot of money then. Like, Mm Yeah, I was trying to figure out because they talk about the land being worth fifty thousand dollars an acre, which in nineteen seventy eight or something, that's a lot of that is expensive land. Like that is and I know Bay Area prices and everything are crazy, but I was like, that is they spend a lot of money um on this venture for it to just fold and it just made me so sad for all of them. Mm-hmm. What year is this movie? Is 78. it uh, I think it eventually came out in okay. 80 when it, after it went through festivals and stuff, but 78 is when it's sort of dated. I'm trying to find an inflation calculator, but I'm getting around like 125-ish thousand dollars for an acre. That's a, That's lot, a lot of money for vacant land. No, 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 for the the 30,000. Oh yeah, the losing 30, the 30,000. Yeah. Uh, That's yeah. a lot of That's money. That's a lot of money. To lose, yeah. yeah. And he seems fairly like despondent as as you would be um but yeah they well, i did like the cutting to the the various other like pet um pet owners i particularly enjoyed yeah, I, the, the mm-hmm. two old women who were sort of like 
like they were not on the screen at the same time, but seemed to be sort of bickering with each other because like the one woman was taking the situation so much more seriously than the other one. And then it was like, she thinks I don't love my pets. Um, that stuff was fun. I, I enjoyed that. That was right around with the singing old lady. Yeah. That was more of the stuff I liked yeah, I like- along with, uh, as along with Floyd's stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, I think when it got to either the business or to like the assholes, I was just always like, this is such a sweet and thoughtful movie that like I don't really care to watch any of this at all. Oh, oh I love that guy sitting there with all of his trophies lined up every oh time it God. cut to him again. <laughs> and he has like all these plaques behind him and all the trophies. And then he basically admits that he would set up, up his office on purpose yep. for um, <laughs> maximum trophy To maximize display. trophy. Oh, God. Yeah, that... That was intensely amusing to me. Um, yeah, I that I enjoyed the absurdity of. Um, I have a note that just says hat guy, and I can't even remember who that would have been referring to. There must have been a guy in a hat at one point. <laughs> I don't remember a hat guy. What, I don't know who could that, that guy be would Cal? Been. Cal's wearing oh, a hat. Oh, I think it was probably Cal. Oh, yeah. I think, yeah, yeah that's right, because that's my first note after the, the transition. So that was before we had Cal's name. Um, yeah, one of my favorite of the interstitials is there's a woman who's I think she's just talking about her dog and how she liked her dog, but she's saying she's talking and behind her is a big picture of yeah. the dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Well, and I liked the the two. Uh, there's the couple. Oh, oh no. Okay, my actual favorite characters in the whole movie um, were the couple that had the dog Trooper, who I think was like a little sort of corgi terrier kind of guy it was one of the it was in the second half was that the it was one, one that was the... neutered mm-hmm. no i think who could so there's two there's the one that was neutered and then there was the one that had heartworm mm-hmm. and i think oh, trooper yeah, was the one where it was like you think you don't the get heartworm. heartworm here in california you think that's in the south but it can get anywhere um that made me so sad <laughs> that entire like they they were showing a lot of pictures of their dog and they were talking about his name mm-hmm. was trooper um and that that couple in particular looked amazing the guy had like an amazing sort of like loud print jacket um there were there were some real yeah looks. some of the outfits the people are wearing mm-hmm. in this are there's some, pretty yeah. great so and then yeah the 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 saying if i would give one piece of advice it's get your dogs checked for heartworm and then yeah that other story that ends with neutered. you know when the dog is like, neutered. neutered was like holy moly <laughs> that Pel- was Pelly uh, is both neutered and has heartworm uh a good care of so Excellent. Yeah, I was gonna say. I feel like, considering how many commercials I see for heartworm medicine on TV, um, I figure pet owners are probably on top of that these days. Yeah. 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 I think so. so. Yeah, and then, and the other thing I wanted to highlight, we really are. It's like thirty minutes in. I'm like, I don't even know what else I want to talk about with well, this I'm, movie. I'm good. I I just have all my notes about like just interesting things. Um, Ebert rightly calls out sort of the the transitional monologue with the, the yes women. Like, i was gonna say we, we have to what's her name florence, florence something um in my notes it's it's red apron she's lady. incredible she is unbelievable that entire I love this sequence lady. and she's just talking and you're trying to follow her story and then she doubles back on herself <laughs> and then she just throws in all these facts and then there's like the tire screeching in the car it it was a like a whole little short film in and of itself basically and she's talking about her like this kid who calls her mama or mommy mm-hmm. or something, but it's it's not it's her grandson and not her son, right? But it's basically like in essence her son. She raised him, and he's 
got a kid, but it's not actually his kid, and he got divorced. And she gave him four hundred dollars for a car. Yeah, because <laughs> she, she's like, I bought him a car. Well, I didn't buy him a car. I gave him four hundred dollars for a car, and that's a lot of money. You're like, yeah, ma'am, it is. But then he only comes back when he needs money from her, um, and she feels the need. At one point, she just says, "It's real, my condition." And you're like, okay. What? <laughs> right? Are you like, okay? Yeah, and I, I, um, I probably believed you more before you became so insistent about your condition being real. Um, but yeah, she just, and I'm. She must mention at the beginning that she had a pet that died like there is i can't even remember why we're talking to her like maybe she's like well, a bunch so, of cats who or something she says something about i have it written down she says something about a dead pet named skippy oh yes i do remember skippy and then she just ends with like there's no animals around here anymore something must be happening to him <laughs> that's never followed up on <laughs> Oh God! I, I, yeah. What does she think is happening to all the pets? I don't know. We got coyotes up there. I, oh yeah, um, yeah. Truly, she, she was the real star for me. Um, Mm, but and I, and I think it speaks to, you know, Errol. Obviously, obviously, Errol Morris knew what he was doing from the very beginning here. Um, but because it does feel like it's one thing to just point your camera at people and and let them talk, and which is in some ways what he's doing. But just the the choices he makes in terms he, of like he sets the, it up very specifically. Like we're talking about yeah. with the peop, the dog picture behind the one woman. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and the couples like the the picture that basically becomes the poster for this movie, which is like the one you know older couple just like sitting out and they're they're always outside and they got their like sunglasses on and it's just like paints they have a real like little portrait. A wall of cactus. Yep, wall of cactus them. behind him. Um, yeah, there's this couple and then the other sort of older couple that they film sitting out like that. And yeah, he makes he makes some very strong choices uh, that really shows it. It look one of those things that looks so simple, but, you know, has to be like eight million times harder. Like I couldn't do that. I couldn't just like set up the camera and <laughs> have images that are quite that evocative. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, all right. So one other note I had about Cal and this is where it did. um where Cal completely lost me. His monologue about why there's so many pets uh, these days. I... Holy moly, <laughs> sir. <laughs> I, I was like taking notes and I was just like stopped and was like, what? <laughs> um, so to summarize, starting around in the 70s, a lot of people started getting pets because see, women started going to work, but women cannot turn off their true maternal natures. And when they come home from work, they may not be able to have children because they're working, but they still need to express their maternal instincts, and so then that's why they get pets mm. so that they can mother something. Um, sir, well, it, at one point, sir. He's, at one point he says, "the the pill is responsible for the pet explosion." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this fucking guy. Oh my this, god! Uh, and, and this, we need to this talk to Loretta. We need to have him talk to oh Loretta Lynn. Oh my god. And what's funny is that Scotty, like, his his wife, like, is, seems like a pretty savvy woman. Like, she seems pretty mm-hmm. on top of things. Um, because, like, she, you know, we come to find out Cal also started a church. Um, yeah, I was going to say, this is sort of all in keeping with, like, an old man who starts mm-hmm. a church in the 70s. Like, 
Of course, that would be his opinion. Yeah, exactly. Because it even is so funny because his wife sort of. It, you know, she's not like cynical about it, but she's kind of like, well, you she's know, very start a church dry about it. Church of you know, it's a church of love, and we we believe in that. So you know, <laughs> you're like, okay, she's not super enthusiastic, but it seems like she kind of just goes with the flow. Yeah. Um, she has a great line about she like almost says if there aren't animals in heaven I wouldn't want to go. Mm-hmm. She stops just short of it and it's like I wouldn't say I wouldn't want <laughs> right. to go, but you know. Yeah, she Ebert called out that part, I believe. Um where is I'm see if I can find it. Something cuz it's something about how like oh here it is. Um, surely at the gates of heaven, an all-compassionate God is not going to say, well, you're walking in on two legs, you can go in. You're walking on four legs, we can't take you. And so she, yeah, so she. Orwellian. <laughs> I know, I think oh two, two legs good, four legs bad. Um, but I do like that, yeah, she basically says that, you know, she doesn't want to believe in a theoretically all-compassionate God who wouldn't let your pet friends in um, with you. Do, well, okay, so. Nick question. Do you remember? Well, this is an old person question. There was a show. Geriatric millennial. This is geriatric millennial time. Um, although now I'm not going to be able to name the, the TV show I'm thinking of, but there was a TV show when we were little that was like about like a young woman in the West and she was like taught at a one room schoolhouse and she had like Little House like on little, the Prairie. Like, it wasn't Little House on the Prairie. Um, Those are actual geriatric live action. It was live action. Um, it starred Kelly Martin. I am going to look up Kelly Martin. This is like Kelly yeah, Martin. from who would eventually go on to be on ER. Um, I'm really going to be excited when I pull up the name of this TV show and literally no on. one who's listening will have ever heard of it. Was it Life Goes On? It was not Life Goes On. Yeah. Is it a pup named Scooby-Doo? Because she played Daphne in that, apparently. Uh, it's called Christy. Christy. Oh, it was Christy. Christy. Okay. Yes. Okay. It was called Christy. Um, based on... I don't remember this at yeah, all. Yeah, I mean, it only aired for two 21 episodes for two seasons and three TV movies. Um, so, and it's based... I had oh read the book God. it was based on... <laughs> it's got incredible IMDb ratings. Like every episode in season two is like 9.4, 9.2, 8.8. Yeah, because LeVar Burton is in season Tyne two. Daly. Oh, I love so, LeVar Burton. LeVar Burton uh, is great in it. Tyne Daly rules in it. Um, and wh- why I'm bringing this up is not a complete non sequitur. Um, but uh-huh. there is an episode of that show where one of the kids who she teaches um, – Dies of heartworm. <laughs> it's, it's, the dog dies, right? And um, they, they're like burying the dog. And the little kid asks if um, the dog will um, go to heaven. And Christy is like trying to be nice because it's like a little kid. And it's like, yeah, you know, of course you'll see your, your dog again in heaven. And Tyne Daly's character, who's like the matriarch of the town, is like, that is not what the Bible says. The Bible says that animals turn to dust, and you all need to understand that right now. And I saw this when I was like nine, and I was like, oh no, <laughs> I don't like that at all. I remember being fairly traumatized by it and like being horrified that, that that's how I learned that's what the Bible said about animals. Um, but that stayed with me for years. Like this show that no one else even remembers exists, that's what I think of when I think about animals not being allowed to go to heaven. 
Um, so <laughs> I'm glad I was able to fact check that. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as opposed to All Dogs Go to Heaven, a movie that I did see in theaters as a small child. Yeah. That traumatized me. It's an upsetting movie. Yeah. What, what, yeah, what happens in it? Uh, the dog yeah. dies. <laughs> the dog <laughs> dies. Quite. Um, man. Isn't Burt Reynolds the voice in that movie? Yes, I believe so. I remember it being some sort of like, like famous guy. Um, yeah, Burt Reynolds. Directed by Don yeah. Bluth. It's a Don Bluth one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would have been five when this came out. So I definitely saw this and also remembered finding it very upsetting. His movies were all kind of I like I love Don intense. Yeah, I like Se- Secret of Nim. I think is a really good movie, but that's oh. also like pretty dark, pretty dark for a for a kid who would normally be watching a mouse cartoon. Yeah, you know? and even like an American Tale, you know, is dealing with like real heavy themes. <laughs> yeah, it's like like uh, yeah, Holocaust that was, that was metaphor. Yes. Land before like land before the Holocaust, land before yeah. time is also like a horrifyingly sad movie. Yep. yep, that's the that's the first movie I ever saw in a movie theater was Land Before Time. Me too. I think we talked uh, about We this. did know that. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what um, my and then of course, movie theater movie was. Mm, I'm trying to. There's just like Shrek. fucking Frozen or something. Shrek, don't. It was Shrek. Oh no. Shrek. Was it? <laughs> oh no. My joking answer was it really actually Shrek? Shrek! God, you are the Shrek you're, generation. You're, Jesus. Your joking answer of, well, it couldn't possibly be this because that would make you absurd. Yeah, and just us. I thought Shrek was the funniest one to say. I was Donkey! Uh, God. When did, when, I was a junior yeah, in high school like when Shrek came out. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, God. Cool, cool, cool. I had my oh, driver's shit. license. Um, <laughs> Nick, are you I okay? could have. I could have driven myself to see Shrek. I did not. I don't remember when I actually ever saw Shrek. I've seen it, but... I'm pretty sure I saw it in theaters. In 2020, the film was selected for preservation in the National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant, making it the first DreamWorks animation film and the first animated feature not produced or distributed by Disney to earn that honor. What? <laughs> what? Okay, actually, I agree with almost every part of that until not distributed by Disney, because there should be other ones in there not distributed. No, no, no by Disney. of course there should. It's weird that Shrek is the first but, one. But d- you guys don't know how like intensely cultural impact the Shrek I mean, has. Had. I've seen the memes. I, I know the youths love yeah, their Shrek no. memes. I know. I, I think the cultural I'm, importance is completely correct on the Shrek. I topic. had to listen to All Star on the radio for that entire <laughs> summer when I was sixteen. <laughs> hey now, that was because oh of Rat God. Race, though, right? Oh gosh, it was it was also Rat Rat Race, a movie I enjoy. <laughs> so can't. I'm hold sure it that's a movie now. that uh, Nick enjoys too. I've, I've never oh, actually. I'm seen sure it. it doesn't hold up at all. I'm, I'm sure it's terrible now. Um, there's a lot of okay, not so along. Alongside Shrek, um, Buena Vista Social Club, cool movie. A Clockwork Orange, The Dark Knight, which is kind of yeah. weird. Uh, best Picture winning, The Hurt sure. Locker. Yeah. Uh, the Man with the Golden Arm, Sweet Sweetback's Badass oh. Song, and of course Shrek. The, the, that was the 2020. So I'm so used to. Yeah, there's more. Uh, Gre- Grease yeah. is in there. Gre- Grease, extremely important. Um, so. I only laughed so much because I'm so used to pulling up movies while we're recording and seeing that as the last line on the Wikipedia page, mm-hmm. but it's usually because I'm pulling up like 
movies in the book. And this time I was like, oh no. It's like The Passion of Joan yeah. of Arc or, right. or <laughs> Shrek. Wow. National Film Registry in the Library of Congress. Interesting. You know, I don't think Gates of Heaven's in there. Wow. That's sad. So there you go. Do you, do you know too if, bad. The, if I bet I bet the Thin Blue yeah, Line is though. Do, do you know if the, Thin Blue Line got a dude out of jail? Yeah. <laughs> do Do you know if the reboot of Gates of Heaven is in there though? Heaven's yeah, Gate. Heaven's Gate. Damn it, Nick. Wow. That that oh, that would have been my I, joke I, if so I was. Uh, I, it, that would have been my joke if I was meta, hosting too. We we're going to talk about meta, Michael Simino's Heaven's yeah. Gate. Meta meta talk time. I was going to do Days of Heaven and then be like, and this is weird because I thought we already talked about this movie. That's pretty and good too. I, that would have been yeah, good. That only been good. because I sincerely did not realize they were different movies for a long time. Like I think I just thought there was a movie that was called either Days of Heaven or Gates of Heaven, and I was, wasn't sure what the title was, um, and it turns out they I, are I've done that with movies. Heaven's Gate. Not like thought they were the same movie, but I've called each of them by right. the other one's title. You get, yeah, got Have either of you guys seen Heaven's Gate? No, but it seems... No, I was going to watch it. <laughs> you were going to watch it? I was going to watch it this week just like because we watched this. I was going to watch that just like... Is it... Oh, but it's Heaven, so fucking Heaven's long. Gate also came out in 1980. So this, this, yep. they were out there right oh, around yeah. the same time. Something was yeah. in the water at the time. Yeah, it's like almost four hours long. So I'll get... Oh. minutes, Michael Cimino. It seems Cimino. awesome. Yeah. It seems awesome. <sighs> Though the only other like real Michael Cimino movie that I've seen, I do not like, so... Is good movie. Also, like bananas. What other? That movie is banana. D- Deer Hunter. Oh, Deer Hunter. Deer Hunter. It's like three yeah. hours. He long. like literally made his name, movie. and then the next year he destroyed his name, and that's that's the career of that, Michael Simino. Yeah. And the one that destroyed his name sounds a lot better, in my opinion. Yeah. But, so, nah, Deer Hunter. Deer Hunter's good. It's and then he he okay. passed away recently, didn't he? I think Michael so. Simino. Yeah, like maybe four or five. Yeah, years. twenty sixteen. Uh, so not that recently. But. That was the year that, like, everyone yeah. died. Like, it started off with Bowie dying, and then... And is that just, the year like, Prince died, like, too? Yeah, but the... It, it, Maybe. That, I, think, I think it was the year Abbas Kiarostami yeah, died. That year, it started within, like, two or three days. I think it was David Bowie, and then it was yeah. Alan Rickman, and then everyone was like, what the fuck? Yeah, and then, and then Prince two? died in April. Yeah, yeah. that... Mm-hmm. Now, didn't Simino direct a dirty harry movie or something yeah yes um Probably. he directed i hate uh magnum force you have to go back to which his... is the second one i haven't se- i haven't I've seen that seen. one they're all i no it, it wasn't wait it, it was the second magnum one force it was oh it's not even a dirty harry movie it's thunderfoot and lightfoot oh but he also did oh, oh he oh, okay. wrote he, he did he do magnum, wrote force. magnum force oh, oh, oh right. yeah because his, dire- okay. his director page is so small yeah. It's always really funny to see where in people's directors' pages that Chakun Son Cinema comes up, because like that's like that weird, uh, like uh, what's it called? It's it's like a collection of like thirty three short films. Um, what's it called? And, and, oh, like an omnibus. Yeah, it's an omnibus or an, a sort of anthology, and it's like all these famous directors are in there, and it's mm. like where is that in comparison to where their actual movies are? Is like how popular they are. And it's yeah. his third after Deer Hunter, Heaven's Gate, and Thunderfoot and Lightfoot. Uh, th- yeah, what is Thunderbolt and Lightfoot? I have. Is that a. Oh, it, it's a. It, it's another. Comedy. It's a. Like, oh, it's, Clint Eastwood uh, shooting. Oh, it is. It's Clint Eastwood and Jeff Bridges and George Kennedy. Interesting. Nice. And Gary huh. Busey. I bet that's a good watch. Everyone, almost everyone that I follow in Letterboxd gave it four stars huh. out of five. 
So solid. Yeah. Yeah. The um. Yeah. Okay. Good. The the Dirty Harry movie he just wrote did not direct. God, I hate the Dirty Harry movies. They're so bad. <laughs> Do you they're just. Oh my god! Like even in a pre, they're just like. They are racist. <laughs> they are. Oh, they're they they're, are, they're very fascist. They are insane. Yeah. Like my because yeah, my dad watched them all the time. Violence. Oh my god! My and my dad watched them all the time. Growing my dad has watched everything Clint Eastwood's like ever been in ten times. That's um, the dad for you. It's a real dad move. Um, but like, a, just a few years ago, I was visiting. How, how pumped is your How pumped is your dad for Cry Macho? <laughs> if my dad knew Cry Macho was happening, I think he'd be very excited. Although I think even how at this long point, can my we dad... keep that one away from your dad? Oh my God, I think even at this point, um, my dad might be like, "How old is Clint Eastwood? What is he doing?" <laughs> dude, how old dude's is still he? He's there? like ninety, right? He's ninety. Oh, he can just Cry talk Macho. To his chair for a little bit longer. Cry Macho. Still making, still making yeah. bangers. But the is no, but my. Like, my my last my last word on Dirty Harry is yeah I or whichever one it was that was on I watched 15 minutes of it and I could not believe how racist it was it was wild I was like and these movies were just like mainstream <laughs> and just like yeah they are fascist it's nuts um don't don't hold up uh what was the last banger that Clint Eastwood directed uh the his most recent one Richard Jewell that is a good that movie a banger though like we have is it Banger a like... three out of five star movie? Is it a four and a half out of five star movie? No, that's a... I'd say four out of five okay. is a banger. And so Richard Jewell's a banger. I think I gave it four stars on Letterboxd. A, I think a, you a probably people, didn't rate it. A lot of people liked it. I did not see it. The last movie of his I both saw and liked was Letters from Iwo Jima in 2006. That might be mine. Yeah, I was, um, was going to say, please don't say Gran Torino. because uh, that you want to talk movies? about racist movies? Good yeah. fucking lord. I think, I think, in, I think I Invictus people think is, like, okay. Invictus um, is fine. As, as far yeah. as, like, just sort of generic sports movies go, like, yeah. it has two really good lead performances, and it, it's fun. And then, obvi- and then the Sully has its defenders. Um, absolutely not <laughs> some people enjoy sully. absolutely not american hero sully um there's a weird contention of my letterbox followers that like absolutely love jay edgar that's like, weird i've never heard anyone defend. i never i never I, saw I, jay I edgar. either yeah um you I know wonder... what's interesting so hold on very very quickly are you are you staring at his uh wikipedia page right now uh dylan yeah Okay. Well, I'm, I'm I wanted to ask. Page, actually. Oh, okay. Oh, better. Okay. So, because I wanted to ask. So, Eastwood has made 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. So, this is showing 20. So, he's had 20 films that have been nominated for at least one major award. Okay. Um, wow. Which is nuts. I was going to ask you. Is it director? director of okay. films he directed. Okay. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. Um, I was, well, I just counted out loud. 16 of his movies have been nominated for Oscars. Like, that's, I mean, and sometimes it's like just one, you know, it's probably like a sound or an acting or something, mm-hmm. but still, 16 movies. His movies have earned a total of 41 Oscar nominations and 13 wins. Like, the, the industry. They love that's Clint. ridiculous. He's not a great director. A couple... Couple best yeah, pictures. Yeah, that's that's true. Those. Yeah, two. 
What is the best directed Clint Eastwood movie? Probably Unforgiven, yeah, I would say. Unforgiven, too. Yeah. I, I, Richard Madison Kennedy is, like, wickedly underrated, though. That movie looks sad. Um, it is, but yeah. it's very sweet. I have never seen Mystic River or Million Dollar Baby. Mystic um, River sucks. That I hate that movie. Yeah, I'll, I don't hate it. It's hate that movie. You, you, you don't need I'm to see it. I'm never going. Absolutely you'll be not. okay. Yeah, you'll Absolutely be okay. Not. You'll be okay not having yeah. in Million Dollar Baby the same. Like, I, okay I like Million Dollar Baby. It. I'll probably watch Million Dollar Baby at That's some point. Yeah. Like... If if I ever commit to catching up on more like Best Picture winners that I haven't seen, then that's mm-hmm. unfortunate. Million Dollar Baby is sitting there. Um, if you need to catch up on like all your best picture blind spots, that one will be like a yeah, it's right. fine. It'll be two hours like yeah, spent spent yeah. fine. But it's not like you don't need to rush yeah, out and no, see it. No, it is not this week. Of yeah. of the like recent best picture winners that I haven't seen, I feel like Hurt Locker is probably the one that I most urgently should watch. That's pretty in good in terms of its actual quality. You know, that was recently uh, added to the <laughs> the national. The Library of Congress agrees. The Library of Congress agrees with me. Um, yeah, on, on that's a good movie. I'm a big, uh, I'm a big K Biggs defender. I mean, I'm like one of her biggest. I haven't seen I haven't seen Detroit. Uh, in fairness to the people, I was who are gonna say maybe if you want to keep uh, <laughs> keep being a big fan, maybe yeah. we just wait that one. Uh, Don't see Detroit. Yeah. Oh, it sounded so bad. Well-intentioned, but yikes. Yeah. But uh, out of Clint Eastwood's entire filmography, I only have two of his movies above a three and a half out of five. He, he so. makes a lot of competent... Um, Does he? Like, competently... I mean, they're competently made. I feel like we always... <laughs> yeah. I, like I always say that about a movie, and you're like, is it, though? I'm like, yeah, he, you know, uh, there's no visible boom mics that I've ever seen <laughs> in the frame. Like, oh, so, so we're saying Exterminating Angel is not competently made. <laughs> forgot about that yeah that's right um he, he's much more like of the of that type of like old former actor guy who cranks out like a, a movie without much like flashiness um i'd say he's much more interesting than like a redford or a uh ron howard or somebody like that yeah. Like, if I'm given the choice, you could see the next Redford, Howard, or Clint Eastwood. I'm definitely going to see the Clint Eastwood, because at least that one's got a shot of, like, mm. giving me something to to latch on to. The other guy's Let like, well, see. yeah, whatever, I, maybe. I'm trying to remember exactly what Rob Redford's directed. And I mean, his filmography's kind of tight. Actually, I'd probably take the Redford. Overall. I mean, but but then you might, you, you might get a quiz well, show. Or well, you might get a Legend of Bagger Vance, so yeah, <laughs> you've or gotta... like Lions for Lambs. Remember Lions for Lambs? That was what a, a boring. Did they do movie. a next? Did they do a? It had Oscar buzz for that. Absolutely, ab- absolutely. I, there is a, that this had Oscar buzz episode about it. That's one I of remember the like that was kind of like the first year I was like sort of following the Oscars. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I kept on hearing like Lions for Lambs. It's going to be it. There's Tom Cruise. There's Meryl, Robert a Redford. Vi- it has a very young Andrew Garfield in it. Does it um, really? A pre-social network Andrew Garfield. Wow. Yeah, I think he's like one of the students. Um, okay. Was that about a trade? Like somebody trying to trade a lion for a lamb? <laughs> or vice versa? Yes, exactly. It is about, it is it is people debating the war in Afghanistan. <laughs> Sitting wow. in rooms, uh, debating 
like American foreign policy. Um, great cast, but uh, really, really terribly boring. Um, I don't, okay, so maybe you're right. Maybe the next, I wouldn't take the next, next Robert Redford movie, but I might take his filmography in general over the other two. But... Yeah, I mean, Quiz Show's really I good. Or- I, I like I Ordinary, people, ordinary but, people, but but both of those are also like, it could have been directed by anybody. Yeah, but like, no one should be making Mystic River ever, ever. Gross. Yeah. Gross. Um, I mean that yeah, so people people me, well people defend R- it, but Richard Jewell's Richard Jewell's cool movie. Yeah. Even 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 with cool the Olivia movie. Wilde of it all. Oh, I I, I looked at my letterboxed uh, re- review and I do say <laughs> it's not a perfect movie by any means. Because <laughs> that yeah. whole thing not is great. not not uh, good. That that poor woman who like the real life woman that's being portrayed, like that whole thing was yeah. Wah. Yeah, not the best. Uh, but Paul Walter Hauser yeah. is uh, very, very fucking good in that yeah. movie. Uh, unsurprisingly, I've I've liked everything I've seen him in, so that's not. Yeah, he's great in Itania. I wish I would have loved to have seen him get like Oscar buzz for that. He's so he is funny. Really funny, and I yeah, I I like Itania. I think more than a lot of people. I Itania's get why. Great. Okay, yeah, I was like a lot of people kind of were put off. By it and may- maybe to sort of like tie this back to gates of heaven anytime you have that question of like is the filmmaker like making fun of these people is this like you know it, i think sometimes people get uncomfortable if they think the movie is like too mean or something mm. but man what an entertaining movie that was <laughs> i had a great time watching it i mean i think it's mainly great simply for uh margot robbie and her performance. yeah yeah um i i and I, I liked alice and janney in it um it's mm. Un, uh, it it is tarnished for me in retrospect that she won yeah. the Oscar um, for it. I think if it was just kind of like a fun little part, yeah. I, I would be like, she's fun. Um, but then when she won the Oscar for it, I'm like, ah, oh, that's that that's more than this can live up to, <laughs> really. It was kind of the low point of the movie for yep. me. But um... yeah, I just like her so much that I'm always gonna like give her a little bit uh, of the benefit of the doubt. But yeah, it's. Wish he hadn't won the Oscar for it, but man, that movie is that movie is fun. It is. So if we threw in one more direct actor turned director, and what would, would which of their next movies would you see? So we have Ron Howard, Robert Redford, Clint Eastwood, and what if we throw in Woody Allen? <laughs> I don't think anyone's gonna <laughs> want to see the next Woody Allen. So if it's the next Woody Allen, I'd say uh, he's at the very <laughs> bottom of the list. If it was, hey. We we found this Woody Allen movie that like everyone forgot. Right, that was made was in like, cl- cl- yeah, nineteen seventy five, and it was erased from everyone's memories. And we unearthed it, and here it is. Oh, I'm for sure <laughs> watching that movie. And I, in in a pre hillbilly elegy world, I would have tried to I make a Ron Howard argument because it's like. I love Rush. Like, obviously, you know, I stand for Apollo 13. Like, and I would be like. In, up until Hillbilly didn't, like, anger me like a lot of right. Clint Eastwood movies exactly. have done. Exactly. They're just kind of, just like, ba- worst case scenario kind of basic and like, hey, whatever. I'll chill yeah. with. Angels and I'll Demons. I'll chill with Chris Hemsworth on a boat. Yeah. <laughs> right, I, forgot, I forgot that they made, like, three of those Dan Brown movies. Yes. <laughs> like, him and, yeah, they did. him and Tom Hanks just kept making them. Like, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> right, they just want to hang out in Europe. I, was it like an Ocean's 11, 12, 13 yeah, situation? Really cool, 
I'm guessing that they're both producers on it, and I'm sure those movies made just like a fuck sure. ton of money. Yeah, and I, I think they do really well internationally. Um, yeah. Yeah, God, yeah. Okay, so Gates so, of Heaven. Yes, yeah, sorry. I'm I, I'm, I, I didn't really have anything more to say. Thinking so. about how I liked Frost Nixon. Um, <laughs> okay. I did. I liked Frost. I'm looking at it's Ron okay. Howard's movies. It's fine. Um, there's, there's one thing we need to talk yes. about Gates of Heaven that we mm-hmm. haven't okay. done yet. And that's the younger brother who still works for the Bubble mm-hmm. oh, Well right. Pet Memorial Park. The, the guy. That guy's, he's that guy's great. great. Um, he was my favorite of, part of that section. Speak, speaking of uh, shouting out to my dad, who I already brought up once. Um, so that that brother mentioned that he went to Chico State and got a degree in business administration. My dad went to Chico State and got a degree in business administration. Probably right hmm. around that same time. Like, my dad graduated from college in 1970. So he, like, probably was right around the same age as this – wait, yeah, 70. Um, right around the same age as this guy. And I, as soon as he was on screen, I'm like, yep, he looks like every guy I've ever seen in a picture. <laughs> and my dad managed a band when he was in college in Chico. And I'm like, that's what all those guys looked like. They all looked exactly like that. <laughs> Just with their, like, guitars and laying down their – tracks and i really liked when he plays the music for the for the the pets and the people and the Nick world looks like he's about to rock out <laughs> yeah it, it it's just such a like sweet little joyful thing he just brings yeah. his amp outside and just i love when he's just kind of like noodles around on the guitar for like a little chilling bit in the hammock just, just yeah. strumming his beats good for him yeah, yeah. I, I yeah that guy that yeah, fucking rules. I liked the, the one best. sequence when we first like listened to his track that he's like playing, and it goes on a really long time, and <laughs> you're just still listening. Time. And at first, I'm like, "Am I supposed to know what this song is?" <laughs> like because they don't give you any sort. Of, I'm like, "This doesn't really sound familiar." And then you figure out it's like his uh, music. I'm like, uh, "Okay." <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it's never clarified, but I assume it's just I, something he I wrote. Think I think so. Look it I, up, I'm pretty but... sure from the context. I, I, was, I was like. What am I supposed to be? Nope, just just a little moment. We just get him listening to his music. Well, I also really liked um, with that guy because he takes it so like, he, and Ebert calls this out in his essay too. He has such like a nice, straightforward, pragmatic sort of approach where he's talking about like how they run the cemetery and what you got to know and the routes you got to know and all the tasks and you can't dig the graves too big, but you can't dig them too small. (laughs) And just like, he has like all these like great little insights. And it's really funny that he's sort of the, the burnout type is like sort of what the, how he's presented. And then his like, Mm -hmm. I'm a big insurance man brother comes back and is like, has a hard time learning the basics of how to run the business that his brother totally has down. Uh, so I did like that little yeah. note where it's like, he's, he's yeah. a simple guy, but he's good at this. Hence why he is presumably still running it to this he's day. Still doing yeah. It, yeah. yeah he's gotta be, him. I mean, this movie's yeah, this movie's 40 plus years old. So yeah, yeah so he's, he's up, there. up there now. That's actually a, uh, cool to know that their mom lives until 2017. Like a full four yeah, years yeah. after the movie was made, so she seemed a lot younger than Cal, though. Yeah, sure. So yeah. She did seem younger than but Cal, she but even been, yeah, I guess mean, she could have been in her forties. But could. like, as I said, she had a couple of grown sons, yeah. so mm-hmm. yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, I did also like. I made a note. Um, I have I have two diagrams in my notes. I did like when they showed like the grid 
that they make to show how you can find where your pet is buried. So it's like it's like an old mm-hmm. old reference here. It's like an old Thomas Brothers map where it has like the numbers and the letters, and you can look for like you know D twenty four or whatever. Um, I like that. And Him then full explaining that was just like I get it, man. <laughs> I know that's. Just, he like really spends. They spend a lot of time, like sort of telling you the basics of how you like diagram plots in a cemetery. And you're like, yeah, that makes sense. That's that's what I would I got do it, too. Man. I got it. <laughs> uh, and then of course the other uh, uh, symbol in my notes is was Nick's whole letterbox review, <laughs> which is just when he talks about putting a heart, heart. over the dollar sign over, over money. the money. Yeah, and draws the little. Uh, you got you got to put. You got to put love before money. You got to put the heart over the money. That's why Mac yeah. is the best. So here's like here's like my um because I I think I mean we like are made fun of slash judged Cal's uh take on it's bad take <laughs> yeah, on why uh, there are more pets um and that's true but um i think like for me the the big um difference between other than that like when we see him interact with people cal seems very like kind and caring and like we see him with a couple who's like burying their dog oh, that's and he's a like great he's scene. so good with yeah uh. he's so good with them and he looks at the picture of the dog and he like he doesn't just look at it he looks at it and he he says like i feel like i know this dog and it's such like a a nice thing for that, somebody to hear say yeah. who's like that scene was amazing like, gr- it is grieving. an amazing scene and yeah i think an, a really smart and emotional thing he does is he sort of like points out features on the dog that he's like mm-hmm. attached to and that's something uh, at least in like when i was in like therapy for a long time was mm-hmm. like if you're like uh, thanking someone or appreciating someone, you should give evidence. And Be so specific, him, yeah. Yes, him providing mm-hmm. like evidence of like what he's connecting to with this dog must have been like mm-hmm. really helpful in that sort of part. Yeah, of, and he like asked owners. questions about him, yep. and he talked about the breeds, and the, was like, "Oh, could he see?" And like, talk, mm-hmm. you know, um, and yeah, I I really loved that entire gorgeous scene. Gorgeous looking like, dog too. I, I know, and like asking to see the picture, like want and basically saying like, like I want to, I want to hear about him. I want to know mm-hmm. about your dog. And then yeah, it's like saying I can tell what like what a happy dog he was and stuff was ugh. It, yeah. it, 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 it does a good job, probably better than anything else in the whole movie, of really demonstrating like why there is a market for this and why people do want because like, right. you can spend the whole time being like really don't like this. This is <laughs> people are really going to go for this, and like that's the one scene that I think almost justifies all the other mm. like kookiness because you're like yeah that that is meaningful to people yeah so so what you're saying is sort of like what i think is um like we're talking about mac not being able mm. to succeed at, at this endeavor whereas cal and the harberts are really good at it and we see why cal would be good at it like he's so good with these people we never really see mac i mean we couldn't have seen mac with people because right. it was closed yeah. by then but you like every time we talk to Mac, you don't get the sense that he even cares about people that much. He he really cares about right. animals, which is also like I I, I think that's a perfectly fine yeah. thing, and it's maybe like it's why he wanted to do that. It may also have been, you know, just speculating, but maybe that's why he uh, like wasn't successful as a business person because he's perhaps less focused on like the interpersonal mm-hmm. interactions with customers. We need Cal and uh, Matt. Um, 
joint forces. <laughs> to partner up. Yeah, and, to yeah. join the yeah. Avengers super team of pet cemetery workers. <laughs> pet cemeteries. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it, it does also line up with, you know, Cal being someone who would, like, start a church, which is, like, he's obviously very invested mm-hmm. in people and leading them and comforting them. And, yeah, that is... That's probably yeah. even more important than We're, whether he cares about animals at all, frankly, in, in this particular business. Yeah. Whereas, like, Mac, I mean, when he's not talking about his place, he's just, like, spitting vitriol about the rendering <laughs> plant. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you can't even Do order a nice him? piece of meat and sit down to eat it. you got to take a big whiff of your glass of wine first to mm-hmm. uh, get the smell out. <laughs> Uh, okay. <laughs> I just rendering is an invisible industry. Um, God, the, guy, the the rendering guy like not understanding why people wouldn't want to hear him talk about his job over dinner at dinner parties. And what then they think? would be like, maybe we could wait and talk about this later. And I literally was like, yeah, could you? Could you not? Ah, <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, I will say, I never thought about like that rendering i mean i guess he's right it is an invisible industry no one wants to talk about the reprocessing of animal byproducts um it is really fun funny is maybe not the right word i accidentally clicked on the (laughs) wikipedia link for the word rendering because it was linked in the gates of heaven and it's just a like an old-timey drawing of like a big whale that you're like oh yeah that's i know what's happening (laughs) that whale when you're thinking like tallow and stuff yeah yeah, and and the, the other things that he lists about like the giraffes and the elephants and well, you got to put them somewhere, and you're just like, oh, buddy, you are. I, I... And they have to lie about it. <laughs> they have to lie about it. The people don't want to know what actually happens. Um, okay, one of the only other. I'm like making sure I'm getting all my notes out. I know I mentioned to you guys while I was watching this, but oh my god the cat in the dryer sequence that is like a horror story that unfolds that I saw coming. Like, Oh, like you knew where it was going. As soon as he's like, anyway, she shut the dryer door and I was like, Oh no, Oh no, Oh no. (laughs) And that, that whole, that whole story. (laughs) And then he's like, anyway, then the little cat had died. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure it did. (laughs) Like, Oh, that story was, uh, upsetting. Let me see what else. I think I really, that was all the things I had notes. My, I don't have anything else. Were there any other highlights that we forgot to talk about? Any other colorful characters? I think we're good. The only, the only other thing that I have um, in my notes is the, uh, there's like a montage. I think it's the yeah. very last thing we see before the brother like brings the guitar out is a montage of all the grave <sighs> sites or like the yeah, pets, the little tombstones. Headstones. And that one like, yeah, that one really like it kind of got it, me. Did, it's so interesting because I, I did not expect to like be upset by this movie particularly. Like I, I have a higher tolerance for like I'm not super sensitive about animal stuff. Um, like, I'm, like I'm not a monster. I don't like it when bad things happen to animals. <laughs> I feel the need to clarify, but it's just not something that usually particularly uh-huh. makes me H- sad. You, how many pets but have you had in your life? Out of curiosity? I had one cat for like a year when I was a kid and then my cat ran away and probably got eaten by a coyote. Um, that sounds like Because we lived by the river. Yeah. And my mom got me a cat even though she was allergic. It was a whole thing. Um, but no, I did not grow up with pets. I've never since my brief foray into being a cat owner um have never really had pets you were the, you, so. were the, you were the cat owner here i was i was i was how, I was, how old were you um third grade so like Fair nine 
Her name was Christina. She was a very beautiful cat. Um, Yeah, I I was I love human names for animals. Um, But yeah, we had we had her for about a year, and then she got out of the garage one day, and I never saw her again. Cats Um, are really bad about running away. Yeah, yeah, and where I lived growing up, one, there was construction around there, so gosh knows, and two, we were right by the river, and there were, like, mm-hmm. coyotes and stuff, so yeah. I, don't th- I I like to imagine maybe that she just went to somebody else's house, but, you know, when, also at this point, this was, <clears throat> like, going on 30 years ago, so poor, <laughs> it was, you know, a while, but yeah, oh, and my point, other than saying that I don't normally get too stressed about animal stuff, is I... One, obviously, Mac and his story at the beginning was still so upsetting. Um, and then that montage at the end, just, yeah. it was yeah. so beautiful. And, like, it, I loved all the little, like, seeing all the names and, like, all the little years and all the little, like, sayings. They, oh. Oh, the yeah. sayings were great. I had some written so down, good. but I, I. I wrote, I wrote my three share, favorite ones share. down. Uh, my three favorite ones were Our Beautiful oh. Son. Um, I knew love. I had this dog, and uh, for saving yeah. my life, Ugh. that one hit close to home. Yeah, they were. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they had like little pictures of them, and I love was, the pictures. I know. Yeah, the pictures are yeah. great, and especially like the little cats. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I thought that ending was, and I, I think that's one of the things about that to me at least gives me confidence that Errol Morris is not super cynical about all this yeah. and he's not here to like make fun mm-hmm. of anybody because that ending is so moving and it he could have ended it yeah. on like an absurd goofy note but it ends in a well I've, you do see like the dude jamming <laughs> on the guitar <laughs> that is sweet though <laughs> like I think it is that, it even is that it's very i think sincere. it's sort of like transcendent yeah, it is. It... on the on the criterion disc you know how like the disc menu mm-hmm. pops up and then there'll be like a yeah. sound effect or something um this one it's just like the sound of him playing his guitar oh, and i i popped it in awesome. and i hadn't i hadn't seen that part of the movie before i'm like what is this music like what does this have to do with either of these yeah, movies like, this does not seem to fit um yeah it was a lovely little ending um so did you guys want to i did not have a chance to watch vernon florida before today was there anything else you guys wanted to mention about There's not that much to say. how, how many con- more lines do you think you can quote off for us nick <laughs> uh, just the the guy going he double gobbled <laughs> i like the part where he's describing the hunt he's like and you got these trees here but they ain't in a row <laughs> they split off across from each other they're, they're off- offset they're offset these trees, they offset is there so i looked it- through a hole right at the turkey in the tree <laughs> i raised my gun up bam that turkey fell down hit like a t- like a hit ton the of bricks like a ton of bricks and that's him right there <laughs> must have had an 11 foot beard uh, so is Vernon Florida I take it Nick, is not stop crying is not so much I mean is it just about a town like is it does it have a through line well, other than these are just people who live in this town it it literally it, is that it's just uh yeah just people like in four or Florida, five different like Vernon Florida although one of the subjects is just these three dudes that sit out in front of this gas station like I don't know about the people oh that's the part you were saying was like, uh, like king of the hill it's like it, it's like the Vernon Florida version of uh the guys sitting on the on the <laughs> yeah. block in do, uh, the, right do the right thing um, hey just to show you, no matter where you go, there's going to be a bunch of old guys 
sitting outside. Yeah. Sitting around. Yeah. So, well, the concept of Vernon, Florida, and I, I think we kind of talked about this, but it's, it's good to mention on the podcast. Um, so Errol Morris wanted to make a movie called Limb City, which is this... Nub City. Nub City. Um, thank you. Uh, which is this place... It was in Vernon, Florida, where uh, a lot of people would um, accidentally, in scare quotes, injure themselves and lose limbs and take out insurance claims on them. Um, Wait, so it was like a scam? Like people oh, would maim themselves? Yeah. Like the whole get... town was doing this. Are we talking about like fingers, like digits, or like cutting off hands and I, feet? I think it's limbs, yeah. Yep. And so, like, it must have gone from, like, neighbor to neighbor being like, oh, I made, like, a million dollars cutting my arm off. And then they were like, cool, I'll do that, too. Um, and so, as he's filming this, um, he got, like, tons of death threats from the people of the town. And he got, like, scared away and he was, like, threatened to never come back. And so I don't remember if he, he just took stuff that he had filmed during that time or if he just went back and filmed none nub city people in vernon florida but he basically just had four or five people and he filmed them for a week or so and it just and that's him must have had an 11 foot beard and it's just like these weird dudes uh i mean that's it like fair enough nothing else happened i i can rotate my hand clockwise and my foot counterclockwise and I can still raise my gun up. Bam! I'm a straight oh, shot there. I can do five things at once. You find another person that can do that. I can quote a lot of that movie. It's it's so good. And it's it's on the same disc as Gates of Heaven. Mm-hmm. The Far Return. Yeah, nice. yeah. Because cause that one's less than an hour oh, long. It's, it's like minutes. 55 oh, minutes. Oh, wow. I think. Okay. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's sort of no man's land between a long, short film and a full feature. She, and and right, they were right. both kind of made at the same time and gotcha uh, we we do need to quickly talk about um a small actual short film that was made oh yes as a sort of sequel to gates of heaven indeed um, but this one's directed by les blank yeah <laughs> yeah uh yeah so werner herzog eats his shoe if anyone is uh and that's the familiar. name of the movie that's not just a description yes. of what's going on it, it is a, is a short going on. documentary film by les blank which i've always known about like i've, I've just oh, yeah. been familiar with the the film I, but i did not know the context until we were preparing for this podcast because i'm just like oh yeah there's that werner herzog eats his shoe uh yeah he told his friend he'd do it or something um you know i just thought it was like some kind of stunt but it turns out that when Errol Morris was starting to make Gates of Heaven, Herzog was encouraging him to do it. Um, but when, you know, sort of when he heard what his specific plan was, Herzog was doubtful that he would actually make this feature film and get it shown in a theater when he was like, I'm going to go film people talking about pet cemeteries. And he said he would eat his shoe if uh, Errol Morris ever got this movie made and uh, actually played in a movie theater for people. And since that happened, Werner Herzog ate his shoe, and they made a little movie about it. And I always kind of thought the bet was more of like, a, I don't think you can do it, so I'm gonna like bet you my shoe. Sure. But in the in the uh, the movie, um, it's more motivational. He, he's more like, hey, yeah. if you do it, I will eat my shoe, so you should go do it. And yeah. uh, I, I kind of liked that context a little bit to the movie. Ab- absolutely. Yeah, I feel like normally when someone says like, if that happens, I'll eat my shoe, it's just like a because it's such a disbelief that it'll ever mm-hmm. happen and you know 
a little bit of that, but yeah, it was more of a challenge to be like, yeah, you know, he he's he the eating of the shoe is like done as a promotional <laughs> event for Gates right. Of he actually does it at a screening um, to the what seems to be somewhat horror of the guy putting on the stream screening who keeps being like. I feel like we should be stopping this or like telling him not to do it or something, but I think he's going to do it. Like he was obviously very uh, anxious about the entire thing. I mean, to be fair, as Werner Herzog said, he's eaten enough Chick-fil-A in his life. Like there you go. what's the shoe going to do? I mean, Hey, and if you are going to eat your shoe and um, you know, by all means, go to Chez Panisse and have Alice Waters help you figure out how to best yes. eat your shoe. That, that's, mm-hmm. a, again, not knowing Gates of Heaven was uh, set in Northern California. And then I did not know that this took place in Berkeley. And all of a sudden it said Chez Panisse and like Alice Waters showed up. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, this Hi. is a, <laughs> got some, some fancy restaurant uh, content going on here. Um, yeah, he soaks the shoes for hours. He puts in as much garlic and herbs and other ingredients. I think it probably oh. tasted pretty good. Except for the I texture. Mean, he has really good flavor combination going. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's... it's huh. I mean, it's just Herzog. It's basically an excuse to listen to Werner Herzog say his stuff and talk about how, like, television is ruining... Pe- talk shows yeah. are ruining he, he, society. Bonanza. He starts off... Yeah, he declares a holy war against commercials and talk shows and bonanza. And bana- I, I will say that was my one note. Where I was like, "Wait, what did bonanza do to you?" Like yeah. commercials and talk shows, but come on, bonanza, it's fine. Leave bonanza alone. I wouldn't call it self-destructive to jump on a cactus. Oh my god, that was so funny. Yeah, that's that's fun. It, that was. I'm really glad I did make sure to uh, sit down and watch this because it was fun. And any excuse to watch Herzog just do his thing. Um, was good but that also it's on the criterion there's also a i don't know if you saw or i don't know if either of you watched this on criterion channel since you had discs but on criterion channel there is a um like a 90 second clip that they have as a special feature which is herzog talking about this film <laughs> at um like the telluride film festival oh, i did not see this mm-hmm. it's just so funny because it's like only 90 seconds long and he like gives this great like talking about the importance of film and humankind and you know and that film is gates of heaven by my friend daryl morris and you're like oh wow he's really talking a big game about uh the movie <laughs> um in in telling people like the importance of filmmaking I, he always sort of brings it back to like and you don't need i can't remember what the exact line he has about like money is not something about how you don't need money to make movies which is only partially true yeah, yeah. but uh <laughs> It's like, you need a little bit of money. Um, but his point being that if you just have a camera and a story, uh, you know, mm-hmm. you can go out and make your movies. So, yeah, that was good. Um, anything else? Any other notes? Final thoughts? No. no. I cool. hope we all watched a lot this week. Huh. Well, let's talk about the, a couple of quotes from the Ebert essay. Oh, yes, yes, um, yes. Which, let me... There was a lot of good little parts. And although, frankly, all the parts I highlighted in the essay were just him, like, having all the best quotes from the movie itself. Uh, mine is just, all I know is it's about a lot more than pet cemeteries. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I, there's a couple parts I was, like, kind of confused with him, like, and there is comic relief in the form of the arch enemy, the owner of the Red Ringer plant. Is he I mean, did, 
I just, I don't know. I laughed. Comic relief. I laughed a lot at the rendering plant guy. So I'm with Roger so on close. that one. Okay. I, I, I laughed quite a bit. It's just, he's just, he knows he's, I think he knows he's the villain. Um, you know, I, I found all of those scenes like darkly, darkly hilarious. Okay. I um, actually have a really good, uh, section. In one remarkable unbroken shot, a grieving pet owner delivers a long speech about the death of her dog and the measures she recommends to other pet owners. When she gets to the very last word, her husband interrupts to pronounce with bleak finality, neutered. Yeah. This kind of perfect moment cannot be written and cannot be anticipated. It can only be filmed as it happens. The moment is so good. And then the part I wanted to call out, because it was what we really highlighted too, is where he talks about um, Danny and his life at the bubbling well and says in the afternoons when the guests have gone he places his hundred watt speakers on a hilltop and plays his guitar which can be heard all over the valley he is like the last of a species repeating a mournful call for another of his own kind um that was very sweet so yeah i think it's awesome that ebert had this as one of his top not just one of his 100 great movies but at least for a while one of the top 10 films ever made which i think is awesome Mm hmm all right. So thumb, thumbs up. Actually, before, I, I, yeah. I, I, sorry. I want to go back to when you just said that um, this mm-hmm. was in his top 10 films ever made. What do you guys think is the h- highest you'd place your best documentary if you like ranked all the movies? I mean, you don't have to be like, oh, it would probably be spot number 23. 72, yeah. But like, <laughs> just like in general, what do you think is the highest a documentary has ever reached for you? I would put my documentary. I would be Sans Soleil, and that would probably be around like the middle of a top one hundred, okay. like forties to sixties, <gasps> maybe. What are you doing? Uh-oh. Pelly time. She woke up and wants attention. Um, oh, I will say. Speaking of uh, Pelly, so last night, um, at one point, there were five dogs. <laughs> roaming around in the backyard at the birthday party I went to last night. Uh, the three dogs were over at my house for the Oscars plus other people's more dogs that showed up. Um, it was very exciting. It was, it was very yeah. nice after watching this to get to just see a bunch of happy dogs running around. And I was like, oh, this is nice. Um, no, I mean, I guess, I mean, is, do you count Stop Making Sense as a documentary? Because that's probably in my like top 20 films of all time. So... Oh, pretty yeah. high. Yeah, say pretty high. Stop Making Sense, um, original cast album company, even time from this year. Like, I mm-hmm. would have a lot of documentaries, oh, by a lot. Like, those documentaries are all up there for, like, in my top top. So, mm-hmm. what about you, Dylan? Uh, I'd probably be around 30 to 50. Um, what is your favorite documentary? Um, OJ Made in America, oh, probably, right. but... You know, sure. film in quotes. I I consider it a film, but I I do understand people are like, yeah, but it's like nine hours, aired in five parts on ESPN. Yeah. So. Hey, some. Hey, if we can all agree that Twin Peaks season three is a film, we're, then I think we I, can I, all. We're gonna agree have that. to get there. Ooh, I do I'm not gonna... know. That is twenty right, hours I, or something. I just got excited remembering I get to watch more Twin Peaks this afternoon. Um, oh, me too. It's very exciting for me. Yeah. I cannot wait to get done with this series because. I don't know. I think I'm on episode 11 right now, and I'm like, I don't know where this is going to go. 
I'm just excited to get to season three for sure. This, that's um, exactly what I mean. Right. That's the yeah. That's the highlight. I don't, I don't. I don't know where season two is going. Only eleven more hours to get there, though. I know, and plus the movie. Oh yeah. Oh, plus the movie. Absolutely. Um, but, Twin Peaks check-in time. Um, yeah. All right. So, do you want to talk about what you watched this week? Oh, we got oh, a new thumbs up. Sorry, I, I was, was doing thumbs bad. up and. We started here. Dylan threw me off, and now I'm looking at Letterbox. Thumbs up from everybody. Thumbs up. Yeah, thumbs up. All right, and then how many stars would you give it, Dylan? You first. Four. Ooh. Ooh. Nice. The first half was good enough that my sort of like it was pretty good for the second half is okay. I'd say still worth it. Yeah, I'm gonna go three and and three and a half also. Very very high three and a half. Quickly rate. um, uh, Werner Herzog eats his Werner Herzog. Three, three out of four. Three. I'll go. Yeah, I'll go three. It's, it's also, fun. you know, it's it's fun for what it is. Yeah. Nick, I, I do yeah, want to ask for, yeah. you what you would rate Vernon Florida though. Um, probably also three and a half. I would too. I think I have. I think I have it four out of five on Letterboxd, if I remember right. Yeah. I think if I had to rewatch any of the three, though, it would be Vernon Florida. It's also uh, like quite short well i guess any of the three they're all really it's not quite short yeah it's not quite short compared to um verner herzig is a shoe but yeah i gave it a four out of five on letterbox it feels for three three out of four feels right nice or three and a half out of four feels right all right what you watched this week yeah he wants to go first i'll go first i know i say i never go first i did not really watch hardly anything this week um so well sorry um i worked awful hours instead but hopefully that is done for now and i can watch more things next week um i know um yeah i think really the only thing i've watched since we last when did we last record two weeks ago ago? i had the godzilla pod last week Oh, so okay. So you guys actually have two weeks of stuff to Oh, okay. Mention. Well, great. That that doubles my amount of movies. Um, so <laughs> From one to two. Yeah. Also, because I already talked to you guys about these. Because, yeah, it was last weekend when I watched um, on Criterion Channel, The Hot Rock, the um, oh, yeah. Robert Redford, mm. um, George Siegel uh, heist film. It's super fun. fun. It's it's really fun. It's from 1972. Um, it's just like a super charismatic Robert Redford, like doing a heist and then there's a bunch of double crosses and they have to steal stuff and then steal it back and then like do a bunch of elaborate cons and things. It's really, really fun. Um, and then also watched on Shudder, a Belgian film from a couple of years ago called Let the Corpses Tan. Um, that is a very a strange, uh, truly one of the best titles, um, really strange, sort of like exploitation style like it's kind of ultra violent it's very weird it has like a lot of um what's the word i'm looking for like the devils um mm. like no Murder. like what's the her- 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 heretical i don't know it has it has some pretty oh, like right. confrontational imagery in it um it's it's very very aggro it also has like one of the coolest posters i've ever seen though um but yeah that one is it a horror movie no it's not really no it's funny because it's on shutter but it's not really a horror movie it's just a like pretty violent shootout kind of movie and like there's some okay. sort of weird creepy stuff that happens in it but it's nothing is it supernatural. horror like in how baccarat is a 
horror it's, movie. It's yes. Yeah. Okay. It's the Baccarat was absolutely the closest example in terms of like sort of crazy violent stuff happens, but then there's also just weird imagery that you can't quite put a finger on. Um, mm-hmm. it's, okay. It is not nearly as good as Baccarat, but it's fun. Um, gotcha. It's a fun movie to watch. And then last, no, Friday night, um, I finally watched, Sophie, in honor of Sofia Coppola's 50th birthday, I finally watched her film Somewhere. Whoa, she's that old? Yep, she turned 50 on Friday. I wow. know. Well, her and her and David Byrne have the same birthday. Did you see that? And um, uh, uh, David Byrne's also fifty years old. <laughs> no, yeah. they have, they have the same born on, on the same date as George Lucas. Also, hey. by the way. Oh wow! Yeah, so big big birthday on on May fourteenth there. Um, but I watched Somewhere, which was the last of her movies that I had never seen, and it's pretty good. Um, it's you know like surprisingly good performance from Stephen Dorff, who I've just never really given that much consideration to. But it's a it's like a good little LA movie and sweeter than I expected it to be. So I'm Elle glad. Fanning's really good in that movie. Elle Fanning is really oh, good God. in that movie. Like you can kind of see like yeah, I mean she's been good in all the things I've seen her in, but she's so young. And she's mm-hmm. so good in it. Um, so I'm really glad I watched it. Um, and But have that thing now, Dylan, that we've talked about where now I'm just sad because now I've seen all of Sofia Coppola's movies. And I know she'll <laughs> keep making them, but I'm like, oh. <laughs> I, I don't know about that with Ozzy, though. Yeah. I say, yeah, you're, you're out of luck there. Um, well, they, yeah. the thing is they could always find an old Ozzy movie. There's, they they could find some of the lost ones. So oh, I, I don't think it's likely, but, you know. Sure. Live and hope. Still could happen. All right. Well, that's it for me. What did you watch, Nick, this week? What did I watch? Um, so last week I watched... Oh, I finished oh, uh, somebody else's filmography. I finished Elaine Mays with Ishtar. Nice. Was it good? Not as bad as uh, Farside Comics had led me to believe. <laughs> Fair enough. They, did Farside not... make jokes about Ishtar? They, no, they made one joke about it okay, uh, we... that they talk about in the Ishtar episode of... Um, Blank check. Yeah. Okay. Ishtar was just such a, I mean, it was just, it was the punchline for break, break, making, like, referencing a bad movie, at least when we were kids in the 90s. Like, that was, if you wanted to talk about a debacle or a notoriously bad movie, you would basically reference Ishtar as the uh, example. Hell's video store is just filled with Ishtar? Yeah. What the hell? Yeah. Disrespect. I mean, it it would suck to have a video store that only has one movie yeah. but if, it, if that one movie was ishtar it, it could be a lot worse um, yeah it, it could be worse but i mean if it was only one of anything i'd be pretty pissed off um but no it's i mean it's pretty good it's not her her best work i don't think but um i enjoyed it nice uh the cameraman which is a uh, buster keaton uh relatively short um mm-hmm. feature it's pretty good i watched nelly and i have been watching the thin man movies so we watched another thin man and shadow of the thin man nice. which are the third and fourth so and when you say another thin man again that's the, the title that's the title of the, of the film yeah yes. another just, yeah another, another yes. thin man <laughs> right mm-hmm. and it's like the uh the devil probably situation yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh what else pedicab driver which is a sammo hung uh martial arts movie that was really good i like that one a lot um, Samuel Hung is. Just, I've watched a bunch of his movies this year, and he's just uh, an absolute delight to watch fight. Um, what else? The Mitchells versus the Machines, which is a new oh, Netflix I really movie. Watch that movie. 
Sounds great. Yeah, it's pretty good. I think it's way too long. Um, yeah, it's like it's over. It's two like hours. almost two hours. Really? Yeah. Which for a children's movie, like that's yeah. tough stuff. Did you watch it, it with uh, Evie? Yeah, I watched it with Evie. Yeah, Did yeah, she, she think likes it. Was it was too long. Um, I don't. Is something that is that something she says after the movie? Like, I think it was a little too long. A little bit drawn out. <laughs> could, 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 could have, have could have lost twenty minutes. Up a bit. Yeah. Yeah, we had to watch it in two different sittings, okay. so she yeah. would probably agree that it's too long. Okay. Um, but there's like a there's a funny dog in it. She likes the funny dog. The dog looks the 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 dog it that I've seen the images of looks very insane. cute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. What else? I rewatched Happy Together. Wait, wait, via wait, 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 Wonka. wait. Blake Griffin's in the movie, and Conan O'Brien's in the movie. There's a lot of people in the movie. There is. Very oh long. my god, they're this thing full of celebrities. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Um, so rewatched one car wise happy together because I finished out his uh, filmography a couple weeks ago, so I wanted to rewatch this one, and this was the last one in the new um, one car wide Criterion box set that I hadn't seen. Wow. It's a very good movie. Um, what else? Have you guys seen Happy Together? No, nope. I really want to. Yeah, it sounds it's awesome. good. I is, finally is was Ma- able that's, to. That's Maggie Leung, right? And. Uh... No, yeah. that's um, it's it's Tony Leung and uh, Leslie Chung. Oh, Chung. As, Sorry, uh, I'm Maggie Leung. There's no Maggie Leung. Yeah, no. So this is um, like those two are a couple, and they go to Argentina, and then they end up breaking up, and it's about like their r- relationship of being together. And then being apart and oh. always fighting with each other. It's a it's an intense movie, but it's quite good yeah. because it's Juan Carwa, and he always makes almost always makes good movies. Fair uh, what, what, why why the almost? Because uh, I don't like my blueberry. I was gonna say nights. you, you got my blueberry nights right, hanging right. out over there. Yeah, I'm gonna rewatch it just to see if maybe I was wrong because I have I liked this more on a rewatch. I like 2046 more. On a rewatch, I liked Fallen Angels more on a rewatch. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm going to give My Blueberry Nights one more shot. Ma- yeah, maybe you could become like My Blueberry Nights' uh, prime defender. <laughs> but, I'd love to be. I mean, it's it's Wong Kar Wai. You got Jude Law. You got Rachel Weisz. You got Nora Jones. See, yeah. look, looking at the Wong Kar Wai uh, letterboxed, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. His eleventh movie is the Chakunson Cinema uh, anthology thing. So again, that's how you know he has a lot more popular like movies, well-known so. films. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Who is the other person that I was uh, referencing that with? Oh, Michael Cimino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I finally tracked down um, Diary of a Country Priest, huh? which is hard to get a hold of. I watched that. That is very good. It's a very Bresson of just like dour, sad people. The really real Nick movie. Angst. Yeah. Yeah. It's just angsty as fuck. Um, <laughs> Nelly and I watched. Good. Where would you rank it in your Bresson uh, canon? I don't know. I was thinking about this actually. Um, and my rankings for him just entirely f- like switch all the time between like, I don't know if. I like a man escape the most or pickpocket the most. It's like it determines gotta be in the conversation. It's like how angsty you are on a given day. It's it's like what type of angsty I am. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. 
That's fair. Yeah. Uh, Nelly and I watched History is Made at Night, which is a... Oh, um, really? Yeah, Gene Arthur and Charles Boyer movie. It's very good. I cannot wait to watch that movie. It sounds freaking awesome. And it said it's, yeah, like it's something quite good. I would really, really like. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice little movie. It's and like a, a good, uh, you know, 30s Hollywood romance. And it's got it's got the Dr. Frankenstein actor in it. Yes, that he's a died like a couple years later. Yeah, so I'm uh mostly familiar with Charles Boyer from uh Gaslight where he plays the gaslighter of, you know, of the titular gas titular. Of, of gaslighting yeah. and um the husband in the earrings of Madame de mm-hmm. where he's he's maybe you know, a cultural phenomenon of shitty dudes wasn't named after that movie but he's still kind of a shitty dude in that movie but in this one he he plays the uh, romantic interest and he's quite charming and then nice. dr frankenstein plays the asshole right yeah he's he's quite the asshole what's his name I... uh, uh henry frankenstein i believe <laughs> no, the I... <laughs> uh colin clive colin clive there you go it's so weird to think of colin clive in a non-frankenstein movie yeah I, yeah, I was like, oh, Hi, Colin. that guy. <laughs> I, another movie that I'd been trying to track down forever is finally available on the Criterion channel, which is uh, the Cassavetes movie Mini and Moskowitz. Oh, yeah. Which is uh, Jenna Rollins meets a whole bunch of shitty dudes, the movie. Nice. And <laughs> yeah, so she is with Cassavetes, who's a shitty guy, and then she meets another guy who's real shitty, and then she... Uh, Meets Moskowitz, who's also a shitty guy. <laughs> that's, that's the, okay. it's pretty, the journey she goes on. All right. It's pretty much just people shouting at her for two hours, but it's pretty good. <laughs> I liked it. Nellie did not like it. <laughs> that's, that's horrible. Yeah, it sounds like an unpleasant viewing experience. But She does. Well, I mean, it is unpleasant, but I, I was like, that's like most of what Cassavetti's movies yeah, are. I just know. like people yelling at people yelling at each other or one person yelling at another person. But yeah. Usually there's but like the, this emotional reckoning that will come by the end. There, Yeah, I mean, of course we get that too. I'll throw myself but there's, on the train tracks for you. Yeah, there's a, a line where the guy like meets her at her job who's like about to go on a blind date with her. And he says, you know, you're tall and lovely. How tall and lovely are you? And it's just the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> How tall and lovely. Oh, are you? Lord. Uh, okay, two more. Um, the the newest and apparently last Roy Anderson movie about endlessness, which. Why, um, why last? Is he older than I realized? I think I, I heard. I didn't see anything directly from him, but I heard from someone that he's retiring. Oh, I don't know if that's true or not, but it's very wow. similar to he, the movies in the Living Trilogy. I think he's old. He's almost he? 80. Yeah, he can, he okay, can retire if yeah. he wants to retire. Can, that's fair. Yeah. I have no idea what um, that movie about, but. The, the poster's dope. The poster's great. Yeah. It, it looks really good. Um, and it's, I mean, it's the same style as those other, th- uh, th- I've only seen his Living Trilogy, mm-hmm. but um, it's similar style to, to those three movies. Okay. But, um, you know, if, if it's sort of like uh, the Trip movies where each one is like just quite not as good as the last one. And <laughs> gotcha. it's still like, if, if you, like the last Trip movie, I still liked it. What, which, um, where did they go in the last trip movie? I think Greece. Greece, Greece. Greece. Greece was the last yeah. one. So, so they're only like losing like a half right. a star or like not, not even half a star each movie. Mm-hmm. Um, like a third of a star or a quarter star each movie. Mm-hmm. So it's not quite as good as 
the previous ones yeah. but it, maybe it's also just like that's the order i saw him in if i would have seen this one first i would have liked it more because mm-hmm. it would have like that because his whole style is like so specific maybe yeah. it being new to me would have uh made me a little more excited yeah i i i really want to check it out i yeah. the only one of his i've seen is a pigeon sitting on a branch but like that that movie has stuck with me. I mean, gosh, it's been seven years since that came out. And like, I still think. Is it that long? I think wow. it's from 2014. Um, and Jeez. I still think about it like all the time. Like, there are moments from mm. that movie that will just pop into my head or things that like. Uh, yeah, 2014. Will, wow. will evoke it. So that I really want to see um, about Endlessness for sure. Yeah. Um, my favorite of them is Songs from the Second Floor, which is the first one. Oh, okay. But the. There in You the Living, there's have you so have, Dylan, have you seen You the Living? I haven't seen any of these guys' movies. Okay. What what's his name again? Roy Anderson. Roy Anderson, yeah. Hmm. You the Living has the I I won't I can't explain it to do it justice, but it has a bit with a guy practicing the tuba that's the most understated, but like cackling, laughing yeah. at at this guy practicing his tuba. Oh, so yeah, funny. The, that's the cover of the poster. It's just this dude with the tuba. Yeah. It's so good. Um, and then the the last movie I watched is uh, a movie from a couple years ago called Asako 1 and 2, which um, I didn't hear about it at the time when it came out. It came out in 2018, but I kept seeing it like show up on Letterboxd within the last like year or two after it came out. And it was getting like pretty good to very good ratings from everyone I saw. So I, I got... Um, the grasshopper films release of it and finally got around to watching it a couple nights ago this movie's incredible it's like a a drama about a young girl who's like college age falls in love with this like kind of bad boy drifter type and he disappears and then a couple years later um, she meets a guy who looks exactly like him Mm. and he likes her and it's about how their relationship goes after that but it's a it's a great movie yeah so that was uh that was my couple weeks of watching movies what about you dylan well i only got three so (laughs) well part of that is because i okay did a mine the last week when you guys weren't here um but uh i watched a movie called eternity in a day by theo angelopoulos Mm. i think is how you pronounce his name uh, that movie's fucking incredible. I said uh, it to Nick, and I hope he watches it ASAP. Cause it yeah, awesome. yeah, I need to. Um, I feel like I keep on saying this on our podcast, but I rewatched "To Sleep with Anger" by Charles Burnett. <laughs> you watched it again? <laughs> Showed it to my brother, and uh, oh, sure. I could watch that movie nonstop. That's a. You awesome. mean you showed it to Babe Brother? Babe Brother. Babe Brother. <laughs> yes, I, and he is my Babe Brother. Um, but man, what a good movie. And it's simultaneously like a movie that's like very artistic and full of depth, but one of those that like, I could just like kind of chill out watching. It's weird. It's kind of funny. It's it's very watchable. Like it's not, it's not like a tough sit or anything. Like you said, it's, it's artistic and it does interesting things, but it's not like, it's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's watchable. Danny Glover going off just being freaking creepy and awesome. Yeah. Um, I, every time I watch it, I get more and more deep into, like, creating this, like, cinematic universe of, like, all these characters and their backgrounds and 
that that totally isn't even brought up in the movie but like i'm i'm very invested in this movie now um and then the last thing i saw was john ford's ford apache which um wow um not i had heard that this movie was kind of like the first movie to like really give a face and a character to sort of indigenous people in the western genre um the first half of it i was like yeah but it's not though and then the second half i was like oh good lord the white men are the worst and and that, that that's its point it's it's still kind of got um you know uh john ford's conservatism conservatism mm-hmm. bent to it but um it's it's about as transgressive against the sort of mindset that western uh mindsets have for this sort of story and i it's very generally sort of based on the like the charge of general custer and his like uh downfall Mm-hmm. Um, and does a really good job, like being like, how can these, like, disrespectful, um, horrible people get like glamorized and become heroes when they were, you know, leading suicide charges for their men and killing Native Americans at will? Um, so it's a fascinating movie, probably. That or Young Mr. Lincoln's probably my favorite John Ford movie. But, um, I mean, everything everything John Ford did slapped, so, you know, it's hard to compare. Hard, hard to choose just one. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that, 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 that was me for the week. Um, nice. Yeah. Yeah, I'm hoping to watch some more stuff this week. Um, well, I'm gonna like I want to power through a bunch of Twin Peaks, um, but yeah, One now week that soon you and I are gonna be like this week I watched Twin Peaks Fire Twin Walk Peaks. with me. I know yeah. we'll, we'll have to make sure we we coordinate that so that we watch it the same weekend and yeah. we can do a mini mini uh, check in with Fire Walk with me. I'm so excited. I'm sure Nick will be here just be like yes <laughs> yes. I mean, so it's it's good, right? The movie like. Eh. Firework. Yeah, I've heard some people say it's David Lynch's best movie. That seems like a yeah. real hot take scenario. That seems like a stretch because. Yeah, two yeah I'm not that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not that high on it, but I mean, I, I think it's still quite good. Okay, and, Nick, um, we need your uh, David Lynch power rankings in the next. Day, it seems. So we, we it know seems where... crazy that you got to make that movie. <laughs> um, Nick, just being like, hold my beer. <laughs> No, I just have to pull up my uh, my tags. Gotcha. Oh, Letterbox. Gotcha. Gotcha. You're gonna say I'm sure he already has a list. Come on. My director's ranked tag. That I need. I need to tag all my directors. Like, I should I, do always, that I just too. scroll through. I'll be like, and I was like looking when I I wanted to update my Sofia Coppola list. Um, this mm-hmm. is really just revealing about how cool we all are. I wanted to update my Sofia Coppola <laughs> list and I had to scroll back for ages to find it because it has been so long since she had a new movie for me to, uh, yeah. so long, well, a few months. Um, but I like had to go way back and if I had directors ranked as a tag, that would have really simplified things. So I have, um, Twin Peaks season three, then Twin Peaks, the original run. Then you, I, you're, you're talking switch. about the pilot, correct? 
No, he's talking uh, about the season, the the series, right? As a whole thing. Yeah. So I have written note: Twin Peaks 1989 is the stand-in for the original series. Okay. Um. So I might switch those, but that's how I had it at the time when I made it. So Twin Peaks and Twin Peaks, then Blue Velvet, Mulholland Drive, Elephant Man, Eraserhead, Straight Story, Wild at Heart, uh, Firewalk with Me at number nine. Wow. Okay. Uh, so that's lo- really far down. Lo- Lost Highway, Inland Empire, um, What Did Jack Do, and Dune at the bottom. Okay. Is that his entire his entire filmography? Yeah, as other far than as his like shorts. And yeah. like, oh, and hey, uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. He's got a million his shorts. His 15th yeah. movie is Chacon Son Cinema. <laughs> so there you go. There you go. Even, even behind some weird short movies of his that seem unreleased like rabbits what the heck oh he just had a new short film like a year or two ago too didn't he yeah what did jack do what did jack do yeah which um yeah so those the the middle three of straight story wild at heart and firewalk with me um could all be like shuffled around yeah Um, they're all they're all really close to one another Mm -hmm. nice well i cannot wait for firewalk with me and Mainly for season three, because everyone keeps hyping it up. Everyone said, like, the ninth episode of season three is, like, the greatest episode in television history when I posted yeah. in the Facebook group, like, about... The eighth episode. Eighth, eighth episode, okay. You you know yeah. you know which one that it is, so... Oh, yeah. It's... You'll, you'll know as it's happening, because okay. you'll just be like, what the fuck is going on? Well, that me most of the time, Nick... <laughs> Even for Twin Peaks, you'll be like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm very excited to get to that episode then specifically. So, yeah. We'll get there. It's so it's so fun. Everyone, we need to start getting on our director tags then. Yeah. I, pu- yeah, I can pull week. these things up faster so I'm not uh, just searching Although for stuff. Although I have so many listed under secret lists because like, I have all of their filmography <laughs> that I'm going to watch. And then above that, I have the ones ranked so far than the ones i I haven't seen yet so i don't know i don't know if i'll be able to. yeah you can just not not put the tag on until uh it's complete there you go that's true cool all right is that it for this week yeah yeah we got to a full length episode hey gosh forbid we go under uh 90 minutes um (laughs) i think we only did that with duck soup so yeah well thank you to everyone for joining us this week um join us next time around when we're going to be having a very special episode right yeah yes yeah. uh well nick next week is your week off correct oh yeah next week is and my then Jana... oh that that's the regular special episode yeah oh yeah then, oh yeah so, so jenna have... you will maybe be off the week after for memorial that. yeah and we're doing more podcast scheduling live on the show which is always thrilling content yeah. um but yes no we got a couple weird people love it we got a couple we got a couple weird scheduling things coming up. So Jenna, what this, do we got next week, actually? Um, next week, um, while Nick is out, Dylan and I are going to be doing a special episode in quote unquote honor of Memorial Day because we the had to pick week we had, before we had, Memorial Day. We had to pick a theme, okay? So we wanted an excuse to talk about Crimson Tide. So we are Fuck going to be yeah. watching and talking about the Tony Scott directed Denzel Washington starring Crimson Tide. Um, God help us I all. didn't I didn't look up where it's available. I'm sure it's available everywhere. Um, so if you want to watch Crimson Tide and listen to us talk about it, that's what we'll be doing next. And then after that, 
um, will be our next season finale episode because it was actually the last episode of this season of the show. So, mm-hmm. you know, we got a couple weeks of fun episodes and then we'll be jumping into the next season. What's the first episode of next season? The General. Oh, okay. Oh. Buster Keaton. Let's go watch That's some good Confederate one. Army stuff. I was going to say, yeah. Hey, it'll be my first Buster Keaton film, so very exciting for uh, what? Oh. over here. Yeah, I've never seen, I've never seen a You're in for it. movie. You're in for a treat. I have seen a lot of really clips, are. but I have never uh, yeah. actually sat down and watched a Buster Keaton movie. So I, I am very excited about that. I'm, I'm sure that's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, until then, um, thanks again for joining us. Until our next episode, you can follow us on both Twitter and Letterboxd at Great Movies Pod. We want to thank, as always, our friend Scott Brady, who did our artwork. You can follow him on Twitter at SBradyArtist. And that is it for this week. Roger out. Roger out. Roger out. And when I go to the movies, I am that person on the screen. I am having vicariously an experience that happened to someone else. And that makes me a better person. That to see good films and to see important films is one of the most profoundly civilized experiences that we can have as people.